As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. New VanCast for you on this Free Agent Friday. And Drancer, I said on our last VanCast, I said I could envision this world where Louis Erickson still played for the Vancouver Canucks and Jacob Markstrom was playing for a divisional rival. Uh, Welcome to that world. This much we know. There was a goalie go-round. We knew that the goaltending market in the National Hockey League was probably going to be the most interesting part of the first day of free agency, and I think it's safe to say that's the case because the Vancouver Canucks were involved on two fronts. Obviously, Markstrom now plays for the Calgary Flames, and Braden Holtby is the newest netminder for the Vancouver Canucks. What a home run for Jacob Markstrom, right? When you look at, he's now the ninth highest paid goaltender in the sport, and the top ten is... All guys who are like 9-18, 9-17, or have won a Stanley Cup, right? Like the only exceptions are guys like Jonathan Quick or Marc-Andre Fleury. Uh, for the most part, we're talking about guys who've won Vesnas. We're talking about guys who've, you know, got four or five years of well above average goaltending under their belt, have been up for major hardware, like nominees for major hardware, or have won the Stanley Cup, who end up getting paid on long-term deals at this level Jacob Markstrom now belongs in that club, a testament to just how good he's been the last two years, but also, you know, a testament to the work of Pat Morris's agent and to the work Jacob Markstrom's put in, obviously, to build himself into what he's become, Uh, a rare piece valued as highly as he was around the league, in part because he was seen as a guy consistent enough to play like this behind teams, whether they're good defensively or not, and... I think that was a big reason why the market for Jacob um, Markstrom existed to the extent that it did. Unique around the NHL on day one of the free agent frenzy. I think he's the only guy who signed for a contract worth three years or more. Uh, He ended up with six times six 
basically without precedent for a goaltender with his track record. We've seen what Leonard got in Vegas. We've seen what Semyon Varlamov got last year in New York. Uh, I mean, ultimately, I don't think you can blame the Canucks for not going to that level with this contract, especially with an NMC. Uh, but you've got to be happy for Jacob Markstrom. He did this the hard way, built himself into this player, and he'll be a Calgary Flame at $6 million a year through his age 36 season. Best of luck to him. Uh, you know, I think that's a pretty good team. Like, I think that's a pretty good team and a pretty good situation for him. Uh, will be interesting to see how this plays out, especially J-Pat in the event that we get an all-Canadian division, right? <laughs> you know, or an all-Canadian sort of provisional division next year and the Canucks end up playing him like it's the old Northwest division days, something like eight times uh, potentially in a row with like a baseball-style schedule. Uh, that's what I'm hoping for. Yeah, I'm happy for the guy too. Like guys work their careers to get to this point, to be an unrestricted free agent, to control their environment, uh, to control their, their pay grade as well. And look, I, I think he did want to stay in Vancouver, but the Canucks couldn't meet those types of demands. And so uh, Calgary's a pretty good landing spot. Uh, I know his buddy Elias Lindholm is there, uh, among other reasons. And I'm with you. I, I still think that the core of that Calgary Flames team with solid goaltending, like I think they might be able to squeeze uh, a little bit of juice left uh, in that group before they move on from Johnny Hockey and before Mark Giordano uh, heads off into retirement. Like I still think there's enough there uh, in that Calgary team with that kind of goaltending behind them. Like, damn. So good on Jacob Markstrom. Yep. Uh, he's earned it. And it's going to be a, a big loss in that Canuck locker room because we know what he meant to that group on the ice and off of it, but this is the business side of hockey, and the last thing the Canucks could do with the other contracts that they've got on the books and the ones that are coming down the pipe was commit that kind of term. Uh, not even yeah. much the money. It was just it was the term. He got his six years. Good on him. I'm happy for him. It, it is going to be weird though. Like it's one thing when Sven Berchi or Marcus Grandlin, you know, play for both of these teams. Like that first sighting of Jacob Markstrom with the flaming C on his jersey on the ice when he's facing the Canucks, like, it is going to be weird. <laughs> it's just not going to look right. Yeah, it's going to look crazy. But you know what? Real talk for a second. I would be killing the Canucks on this podcast if they'd signed that contract. Yeah. Like, full no movement clause, too? Right. Holy cow. Like, I would be killing them if they'd signed that contract. So I can't criticize them for not, right? Like, to me, that deal is just so risky especially with how variable goaltending performance is especially considering that as good as Markstrom's been the last two years he's still a guy with a 9-11 career save percentage boy like I think that's a really big risk that the Flames have taken on and you know uh, I mean it's not the Bobrovsky deal but it's a really significant deal a huge bet on a goaltender maintaining a form that they've really only found over the last 18 months in a different environment from you know the goaltending coach who helped kind of make their game a little less chasey and help them mold the goaltender that obviously sort of broke or set a new market for a mid-range above average starter uh, in the NHL today um, you know that that was a and and I think that's sort of what sticks out to me when I consider this week, J Pat, because the other big news that was that we tracked all week until it, you know, abruptly got punctured like a balloon just as the market opened today was the Oliver Ekman Larson story, right? And you know, the Canucks had all the leverage in that situation. And 
While it seems they made another offer this morning, as Jim Benning told the media after, you know, the dust had settled on free agent frenzy day, uh, ultimately, clearly, they didn't cave to the point that the deal was close to acceptable for Arizona. And, you know, the Canucks clearly, and from my reporting, from a good scoop from Chris Faber, shouts to Faber for the work, uh, the, you know, ultimately we get to this point where the Canucks were talking about a deal that included certainly a bad contract, a prospect, and a pick, um, you know, maybe Jake for Tannen. I, I've heard different accounts of that. I can't quite nail that down. And ultimately, the Canucks weren't willing to include Demko. I think we now know why. Uh, they definitely weren't willing to include, you know, any of Pod Colson or Hoglander. And that was the right call. Like, Arizona didn't have a, pasta, a pot to piss in here, right? Like, they needed, <laughs> they needed the deal more. They only had two places to go. I think you can appreciate the Canucks standing firm there. And I know they're going to get criticized for the optics of how this turned out because of the fact that they worked to those deadlines. But you have to work to those deadlines, especially in a situation where you're you know, not going to be the highest bidder on the goaltender and where you're not going to blow over the opponent you know, who's got a restricted sort of trade situation with an offer they can't refuse. Like you have to work to those deadlines to make the pressure count. You know, the Canucks don't end up with either player. They are our worst team as we record this podcast than they were when we recorded our last one before the league year officially expired. But I don't think they played either of those situations wrong personally. No, I, I, I'm with you on that. Like right from the outset, the all recommend Larson one didn't ever just didn't quite sit right with me. And I understand, and I've heard you talk about, you know, a top 30 defenseman, you get that opportunity, you got to take a run. And, and look, I'm not, this isn't so much about the player. I think it was more the contract for me uh, at a time when it was so apparent that the Canucks, you know, hadn't been able to clear any cap space. And Jim was asked about that. I mean, that was the one thing I guess I liked about the possibility of that deal was it did seem like a vehicle to get rid of and offload one of these contracts that's been hanging around and will continue to hang around for a while. But but in the end, you know, I, I think they made the right call on Markstrom as much as I like Markstrom, both the player and the person for the Canucks in this situation. Uh, I think it was just, it was the right call to go uh, elsewhere on a shorter term deal. So let's get into Braden Holtby because that is ultimately the big news of the day coming this way for the Vancouver Canucks is that Jacob Markstrom doesn't play here anymore and Braden Holtby does. He comes with championship pedigree from 2018. We know that about him. I assume you were on the Zoom call with Holtby. I was. Did it not feel like he was going to pull out a guitar and just play us all an acoustic <laughs> set? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I noted too, like he's drinking a Starbucks latte, like he's got a pilot's watch, like one of those oversized 43-inch pilot's watches, uh, and then he's got the beard and the button-up. I mean, it looks like he's <laughs> he's he's ready to go to one of the breweries down on Main Street, right? And start setting up an IPA. I was sure he was going to tell us that he wanted to break out a couple of new songs that he was working on. <laughs> Or tell you about the sick new record he's he's ordered <laughs> off Amazon. Um, yeah, no, I I mean it's awesome. Like his, you know, his personality, the woke record of of good community works and public stands, brave public stands on any matter of significant topics. 
you know, his overall um, a demeanor and appearance. I mean, everything about him is cool and is, you know, larger than life. And I do think that's one reason why he maybe helps a little bit in, like, there's no question Braden Holpe does not replace what Jacob Markstrom provided, right? He might be another goaltender. He might even be the Canucks' sort of starter next year. But he doesn't replace what Markstrom brought hockey-wise. Like, Markstrom's a player of a totally different caliber. But in terms of bringing some of that weight into the locker room, you know, a Stanley Cup winner, a guy who's been a starter, like a bona fide workhorse starter for the last eight years, uh, you know, I, I do think that that helps uh, in terms of not, again, replacing, but sort of moving on from what Jacob Markstrom provided to the Canucks over the last four years, especially. I mean, there are red flags. Let's be honest here. Any guy that comes to you coming off a season where his save percentage starts with an eight, uh, that, that's, you know, that's not ideal. We know that he's been, a, he had a three season run there where it was like 923, 925, 923. That was then though. And since then, the numbers haven't exactly been where you want them to be. And, and look, there were issues in Washington to the point that a coach got fired and so there's probably enough to go all around. But, you know, how red are the red flags about this Braden Holtby at this stage of his career on the wrong side of 30? For me, they're really significant, like really significant. I look at Braden Holtby's underlying performance over the last three seasons. So since he became 28 and, you know, we're talking about a guy with a 906 save percentage, like there's 39 goaltenders in the sport who've played at least 5,000 minutes since the start of the 2007-2017-2018 uh, campaign. And Braden Holtby ranks 36th of those 39 by save percentage, right? The guys who are worse are like Craig Anderson, Jimmy Howard, and Jonathan Quick. Like, that's not the company you want to be keeping. Uh, and then when you sort of peel back further... Like the Washington Capitals allowed something like 426 expected goals in all situations over those three seasons, and the actual retail value is something like 455. So he's been worse than expected. Now, the one thing I like about the fit is that the Washington Capitals don't really play defense in the regular season. Like that's just kind of their MO. And so at the very least, we're talking about a guy who's faced a ton of quality chances. Uh, him and Jacob Markstrom have played almost the same number of games over the last three seasons, and they've faced almost the same number of high-quality chances against. The difference is, is that Jacob Markstrom has the 10th highest save percentage in hockey among those 39 goaltenders against high-danger scoring chances, and Braden Holtby ranks second last. So, you know, I talked to an NHL goalie coach about Holtby today, and he suggested strongly that while there's maybe some stylistic concerns that he's got about Holtby overall, uh, he likes especially his competitiveness. He cited that he's, you know, one of the few guys who persistently outperforms his regular season save percentage in the playoffs. Um, noted that he's a guy who will abandon some stylistic things to just make saves, something that I think Markstrom did really well too. Uh, that was sort of a strength of his game. And, and I also think something that, you know, while... You need to have a foundation within Clark's system. I think something that he provides a little more latitude for goalies to do than, than say, a guy who's really married to certain technical concepts like three-quarters depth, a la Roly Melanson is. Uh, so there's reasons to like the fit. There are reasons to believe that 
hope he can find a new level under Ian Clark in a new environment. And the NHL goalie coach that I spoke with suggested those things too. Noted that Clark's, you know, one of the best. And if anyone can get the best out of him, it's him. And also noted that sometimes a change of scenery is good for a guy at this stage of their career coming off a season like that in sort of helping them refocus and find their game. And we've seen that in Vancouver. Like we saw that with Ryan Miller when he signed in 2014, right? He was coming off a brutal playoff with the St. Louis Blues. And, you know, he worked with Clark. He refined his game a bit. Uh, he's had th- He had three really good seasons in Vancouver and then went on to, you know, extend his career. Like, he's still playing. I bet he still signs today. <laughs> you know, not today maybe, but I bet he'll still get a deal somewhere, most likely in the California area. So, you know, uh, I think there's some things to – sort of look at and like but the concern that i have is that the canucks have just committed two years to jonathan quick right or, or the equivalent like eastern conference jonathan quick and i don't like that too much but on the other hand it's only two years and i like that very much right i i really one of one of my all-time rules is don't go don't commit too much term to a goaltender and the other part of it that i like is you know the canucks were well positioned ultimately to handle a potential Markstrom departure, right? They have Demko in the fold. You know, they had enough cap space to find a goalie if they needed it. Like they had the fundamental building blocks in place to build a quality contingency plan. The contingency plan they built, is it my favorite option? Probably not. But do I see why it makes sense? I do. And I also do think that that position you know, in terms of their flexibility with a young goaltender in tow in Demko uh, to make a move like this, uh, you know, I do think that impacted the way that they handled negotiations with Markstrom, right? I, I do think it's a reason that they held sort of firm within, you know, basic market forces. Um, and and so it goes. I mean, it, it's a tough one. I, I'm not – I wouldn't say that – I would I would describe myself as being skeptical of Holtby, but I can see why the fit makes sense and it'll be interesting to see how it works out. I, I'm not going to be stunned, though, if, like, on the TSN broadcast right after Holpe signed, they were like, you know, he's perfect for 50 games and Demko gets 30. And I, I'm i not sure that you really want Holpe to be the guy taking the lion's share of minutes next season when your other option is is a guy who's dramatically outperformed him, uh, albeit in sort of lesser, with a lesser workload over the last two years. Right, and ultimately that's going to be Travis Green's say in concert with Ian Clark, but that is going to be really something to watch is the workload and the division of labor. And when Jacob Markstrom was here and healthy, you know, there was never a doubt. He was the guy. And so now you've got Demko who wants to be the guy. You've got Braden Holtby who's always been the guy uh, in Washington. And so this is going to be a new role for him. Uh, there's a bunch of changes that are going to come for for Holpe. I'm sure you heard the story, and Jim Benning sort of backed it up again. Though I thought it was pretty cool that like it's one of the a first, lovely story. One of the first things Holpe does when he signs with the Canucks and they talk to him is he asks for Thatcher Demko's phone number. Like I thought, like right on. Like that's pretty cool. Uh, I assume he used it and, <laughs> and reached out, or or will <laughs> at least in, in. It's one thing to ask for it, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, but if he you know follows through here, I just thought like that's a pretty cool gesture. Like that sounds like the kind of guy that I would want to be a goaltending tandem with or a goalie mate with if this guy, you know, first thing he's doing is looking to reach out to his new teammate. Yeah, well, there's no question the Canucks are getting a tremendous person, right? There's And and one thing that I do think they're also getting, J-Pat, is they're getting a guy who 
has a certain psychological approach to the game that includes being super accessible to media. Like one thing that he's pretty famous for is he always talks on game days and, you know, has, has talked to media explicitly uh, about like the goaltenders should goal should starters talk on game days and said like, you know, for me, it's a matter of, you know, my routine and the fact that I think it's, you know, appropriate to get into a game day space where you behave like the same way the rest of your teammates do and on and on. So there's parts of that that I think we'll enjoy. Um, you know, not to mention the fact that he's a good talker and is a worldly human being conversant on a variety of subjects outside the rink as well. So, uh, on that front, there's absolutely no question. Like Braden Holtby is a great person, the type of person who's very easy to root for. And I think will win over the fans in this city very quickly. Um, provided that his performance, you know, rebounds at least a little bit from the level that it's been the last few years in the regular season. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. So the good news is the Canucks have addressed their short-term goaltending needs, getting a veteran guy on a short-term deal, but long enough that he's under contract and meets the criteria for the expansion draft. So that's taken care of, right? They can protect Thatcher Demko and expose yep. uh, Braden Holtby. Uh, so the yep. good news is that, that you know they didn't go far in terms of term with their goaltender uh, today. But uh, the bad news is that, and you pointed it out, as we sit here recording this, they're not as good right now as they were uh, earlier. And we know that they weren't good enough ultimately in the playoffs to advance uh, further than the second round. And so there are still these gaping holes now. Uh, Chris Tanev, they say they're going to sleep on things, may double back on Chris Tanev, and that's fine. And if they do that, that's fine. But again, you're maintaining the status quo, right? Like, yep. if you bring Chris Tanev back, you've done nothing to re- to, to, to address and reposition your blue line, which is a stated objective at the end of the year when Travis Green met the media with his exit Zoom. Said, like, we've got to make this defense better. They know that. They know how badly outshot they were most nights, and particularly uh, in the late stages of that Vegas series. And so, again, all the time in the world for Chris Tanev, but if you bring Chris Tanev back, you're just maintaining the status quo. You've already walked away from Troy Stetcher to this point, so they've done nothing, nothing to overhaul their defense, and this doesn't even begin to address the glaring hole up front if Tyler Toffoli ultimately walks away in free agency. Right, and the fact that you still are going to have a situation where to keep competent penalty killers in the lineup, you're punting, you know, the bottom six matchup five on five, right? Which is which is basically what the Canucks have in, in Brandon Sutter and, and Jay Beagle, a situation where, you know, <laughs> they can't scratch them because then it crushes their penalty kill. But you keep them in the lineup and you have to play possum to an absurd degree in order to just hang and keep it close with a team like like the Vegas Golden Knights, right? And, and that's not ideal. I mean, that's a sign of how far you have to go to be a credible contender, really. And so, yeah, I mean, I look at this too and, you know, I'm looking at the TSN free agent list tick by as, a, as the broadcast's on, in, on mute in my, in my workroom at the moment. And I'm seeing names like Eric Halla and 
Lucas Walmark and Carl Soderberg and like pretty good third line centermen who are probably going to sign here in the next few days for one and a half, two million. And I'm looking at a Canucks cap situation where because you've qualified Jake for Tannen, who they're going to need now to be a top six forward, right? Like I would think that the lotto line is probably not your first option next season. Like you probably start the season with for, assuming that the Canucks aren't going to be able to add a significant body up front, considering how, how, how they need to upgrade their defense. Um, you know, they're probably going to have to start like for Tannen, Elias Pettersson, JT Miller as your top line, Besser with, with Pearson and Horvat as your second line. And then you have the exact same bottom six that you iced in the playoffs, basically, right? Godet, Sutter, Roussel, McEwen, Mott, Beagle, which is, you know, not, not good enough, right? Like just not, that's not second round of the playoffs worthy, much less championship worthy, frankly. And then on defense, you know, you're looking at losing Troy Stetcher, a player who, you know, the Canucks internally view him as a third pair guy, period. But he's excellent, excellent defending the neutral zone. Like he's unbelievable at it. And consistently throughout his NHL career, the Canucks have surrendered goals against at the lowest rate with Stetcher on the ice than they have of any of his other teammates. That seems important. Like, that seems like a thing that the Canucks could use. So not not just are they running it back if they bring back Tanev, they will be worse along the blue line. And right now, with, you know, 18 bodies on the roster, 7.3 million of cap space once you subtract the 3 million they need to responsibly hold for Jake Vertanen's arbitration award. And Vertanen filed for arbitration today, according to Irfan Gafar, which makes sense since he was removed from the NHL's official free agent list. The fact of the matter is, is that what? You bring back a defense defender at 4 million, and that leaves you 3.3 million to handle depth pieces. Like, that's all you can do. You can fill in the depth of your roster. If the Canucks had simply let Vertanen go unqualified, which I know would have been, you know, a, a controversial decision. But if they'd done that, and if they'd bought out Brandon Sutter, then we're looking at something more like $13 million in cap space to play with. And now you can talk about bringing in two defenders at, at about $4 million and probably taking a run at, you know, a, an interesting winger like a Jesper Fast or a you know, a, a Walmart or one of the other guys remaining on the market. Cause there's a lot of them. And that to me would have been a much more interesting play all around as it stands. It just looks to me like somehow, some way the Canucks are going to need to clear out some cap space and having sort of not exercised their options during the first buyout window and having qualified Vertanen, who's got a stellar arbitration case, like that's going to be hard to do here, even harder to do now than it probably would have been at the start of the week. And we know that the Canucks have struggled to find those deals with with Benning admitting as much post game or post game after after the <laughs> dust had settled on the free agent frenzy, you know, talking about it, how it's nearly impossible to do in a flat cap environment. I, that to me, like people are going to talk about the wasted opportunity of Markstrom of Ekman Larson of, of waiting too long to make their moves. And for me, process wise, I like all of that. Like, I think the Canucks nailed it on those fronts, even if the outcome wasn't exactly as they'd hoped. The things that I sort of look at as real missed opportunities here are the buyout window and, and not exercising a buyout on, on either Sutter or Berchi and 
the qualify, qualifying Jake Vertanen as opposed to Troy Stetcher, considering the relative availability of middle six forwards on the market at the moment and the and the lack of sort of quality depth defenders, um, you know, which is what the Canucks are sifting through now in, in revisiting things with Tanev and exploring Tyson Berry. And uh, I mean, there's just not a ton of good options there, certainly not a ton of good options with the type of defensive acumen that Troy Stetcher has. I don't understand that one at all. And for me, those are the sort of two most glaring errors or, or unforced errors that I see as I evaluate Vancouver's you know management team performance over the past five days. The Stetcher thing makes no sense to me because the numbers you talked about a moment ago, goal suppression, you know, all of those facts and figures are available in the public sphere. The Canucks constantly tell us that they're down with analytics, that you know, they've got the analytics department that Travis Green is invested in analytics. All like how do they not come to this conclusion themselves internally that Troy Stetcher can help this hockey club? I'm not sure. I'm really not. And, you know, I wonder if to some extent they were hopeful that they'd get OEL done, maybe, and maybe to some extent you're thinking, well, if Edler's on our third pair, then that's an area of the rink that we can be efficient in, right? Like we can play Rafferty and Chatfield in that spot. They'll play with Edler. What better way to introduce young players into the NHL than playing with Alex Edler, right? Like that, I mean, that makes sense. That, but but short of that, I, I really don't understand, in, in, except for the fact that they thought maybe if he went unqualified, they could circle back and sign a Matt Benning style, like, you know, uh, two times two, <laughs> right, deal, or, or two times one yeah. kind of deal at a, at a cheaper rate. And, and look, maybe they revisit that. Maybe they revisit now, that now that the market's set, but, you know, that makes sense. Like, that that makes sense, especially if they'd been proactive enough about it to maintain the relationship to the point where that wouldn't be seen, you know, where that would be, that would feel like a more realistic possibility this afternoon. It doesn't at the moment. And so I, I just don't know. Like, I just don't understand ultimately why they... Uh, are in this spot in the first place. And, and certainly I don't understand prioritizing uh, Vertanen over Troy Stetcher, considering their relative value. And, you know, the fact that Stetcher's skill set is in an area of the rink that the Canucks are, you know, a little softer than they are in the goal scoring and offensive department, where we all know Vertanen can be a helpful piece, uh, you know, albeit a flawed one. Uh, we did this uh, earlier in the year on podcast, you know, is this something uh, you tell me, is this something? Because uh, I think we mentioned it the last time we recorded, and that was, you know, Jim Benning did media availabilities Monday ahead of the draft, Wednesday after the draft, and then Friday. So he went three times this week. And if I'm not mistaken, all three times he talked about young players injected into the lineup and mentioned Jalen Chatfield and didn't mention Brogan Rafferty. Like, once w- would have been... Okay, maybe it just slipped his mind, but all three like it, it felt like that's there was something. a real that's uh, something. I'm okay. declaring that something. Good. Yeah. Okay, I'm down with that then. I mean, but yeah, like it just that's it a good felt... catch by you. I didn't notice that, but the, but now that you've said it to me and presented it in this manner, I say that's something. I, I look. I thought Chatfield was really good at camp. I think they like his speed, and I think they like the physical component of his game. Like Chatfield, we didn't see it much in phase three because there's a pecking order to all things. And, and Chatfield can't go about the ice wrecking veteran NHL players who are preparing for the playoffs, right? But guy can guy can use his speed and size to really hit. I bet you they like that. I bet you they see that as, 
you know, something they, they could use in their lineup. I wouldn't be stunned by that at all. And Rafferty, on the other hand, I think has the offensive toolkit. Like, he looks great with the puck, but I don't know that he looks that great without it. And so I wouldn't be shocked if that was, in fact, telling to how they sort of view that pecking order at the moment. Well, we'll find out whenever there's a training camp, I suppose. And I, I mean, I don't sense that they've soured on Rogan Rafferty. It's just no, no, that no. It does, uh, it, but it's it, it, like I find it curious that you're sort of pushing a guy in Chatfield who has yet to play an NHL game. And look, you don't get to play your first one until you crack a lineup. So you know he's been up a couple of times. He's been around this team. I mean, it was a weird year in that their right side was completely healthy, right? Like, Chris Tanev played every game available to him, uh, really, for the first time ever. So, of all the years for Jalen Chatfield to be, you know, knocking on the door, any other year, there's probably opportunities on that right side. And this year, for whatever reason, you know, Meyer stayed healthy, Stetcher was there, and Chris Tanev was an every-night guy for the Vancouver Canucks. So, it was a little unfortunate that way for Jalen Chatfield. So, we'll see if he gets his opportunity uh, but there's no doubt. I mean, we've heard Jim say repeatedly throughout this week, like, we're putting young guys in the lineup, right? Like, I mean, absolutely, that sounds like something they've had internal discussion that, you know, we can list all the prospects, but it does sound like that is part of their plan for next year is to finally inject some of these young guys. And, and they may have no choice because they need those types of players on those kinds of contracts. Speaking of... You know, lower level contracts. They got a little bit of work done, and I thought decent work too. I was glad to see Zach McEwen get uh, a little bit of security. It sounded like he had the option. You talked to him, I didn't, but it sounded like he had the option of a one or two year deal, and he opted for a two year contract. Yes, and because of because McEwen was arbitration eligible, but had such a shallow track record of games, his deal was relatively simple, which is why it got done so quickly. And, you know, it was like, uh, here's what it looks like on one. Here's what it looks like on two. Zach McEwen took two and he, he'll get a nice $950,000 salary level in the second year of that deal, which, you know, there's uh, there's good value there, I, I think, for him in terms of what that'll mean for his qualifying offer. And look, I think he's going to be there every day, fourth line, left wing, uh, likely with Beagle and Mott to start the season. That's sort of what it looks like, I, I think, on the whiteboard at the moment. And, you know, great. Like, I, I actually think there's a good chance that he will provide surplus value above and beyond the, the $825,000 cap hit that he carries. Um, you know, he deserves this shot. Like, that. this team obviously is looking to be affordable and save cap space where they can and save real cash where they can too in the 2020-21 season. But that doesn't change the fact that for McEwen, I think he's earned this shot um, and I think he'll play well in that spot. And Mott was the other one that got announced earlier today. Tyler Mott gets himself uh, another. He gets a two-year deal as well. Uh, 1.2, so a little bit of uh, a raise for him. And look, we know what he means to the Canucks, what he does for the Canucks, how much the coaching staff and management likes Tyler Mott. And again, I mean, that's the right kind of deal for the role that he plays on this hockey club. It is. And, you know, he, look, he did some pretty excellent things in the playoffs. I think he, too, would have had a decent arb case because he, you know, led all forwards in um, hits and sh shot blocks through the first couple of rounds. And he's clearly an elite penalty killer. I mean, those are good qualities to have and to bring. Uh, good human being too. got to be happy for a guy like Mott that he's got some security. And, and the last thing about Mott is, you know, he, the speed that he brings to the bottom six is absolutely essential. Like they cannot live without it. So 
Um, because of his because of his ability as an elite penalty killer, he'll he'll pay off that cap hit just off of that. Like he's worth it just because of that. And anything you get from him at five on five, you know that's just gravy. So uh, happy for Mott. I, I agree with you. That's a good deal for a good person and a helpful depth piece. Well, Jim Benning said that because this year is so different than any other, uh, he figured that free agency would go on for days and days and days and not for me jay pat not for you you're done no i'm i'm going away for the weekend (laughs) man i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna write a couple pieces here and i am leaving i am out uh i'll be back on tuesday um to write more stuff yeah no i'm i'm doing the old bob mckenzie like i'm going to the cottage boys see ya (laughs) it's been a long year i thought you were just gonna say you were gonna sit around the kitchen and start working through that uh pile of canned fish that that what an amazing <laughs> what an incredible photo i know it was uh well i didn't expect that much to be clear right like i was like <laughs> it was a fortress I told, of fish <laughs> i know i told <laughs> fortress of fish i told uh, the oceans brand folks who contacted me and and uh you know i told them a couple of products i liked uh that they had on offer and was very flattered uh you know and they sent me like it came and the delivery guy who sent it had a dolly, right? Like he had a dolly just <laughs> mounted with with boxes of canned fish. And I was just like, oh, my God, like I'm going to be eating my way out of, um, you know, sardines for the next year. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I plan on doing so. I'm, I'm also planning on donating a bit of it and, uh, and you know, making up some nice gift bags for my family. So, uh, look, thanks to the Oceans people, I, I'm loving I'm loving all the Thai chili sardines, Thai chili snack packs. Like, it's great. And and this all came about organically because they're fans of the VanCast, right? Yeah, they're, they're VanCast listeners. His name's Lawson, and he is the VP of Finance. And, uh, yeah, no, he sent me a note on LinkedIn, and I was so happy. Like, I was like, oh, man, this is a dream realized. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm now a canned fish influencer. Let's go. This is everything I've always dreamed about in this business. So very excited about it. All right. Lawson is our man. Hey, if you're looking for other hockey podcasts here at this time, when there's so much going on around the National Hockey League, if you're just trying to up your consumption, uh, you can check out other pods here at The Athletic. Scott Burnside uh, discusses the activity among goaltenders on the first day. So uh, some Holtby talk, some Jacob Markstrom talk. Eric DeHatchik joins Scott Burnside uh, for that. You can check that out. Uh, you'll find it at The Athletic as well. Craig Custance welcomes former NHL GM Brian Burke. People here in Vancouver know him well. Uh, the full 60 this week at The Athletic. You know what we always say here, though? Uh, check out our comment section for each and every podcast episode at The Athletic app. Rate and subscribe. The Vancast on Apple. We love the feedback. Love to hear from you. So uh, whatever you ever, you know, look, we're getting into a point where there won't be games played. If you have ideas guests you want to hear we'll have to get back to getting some guests onto the program uh, if there's anybody that uh, you'd like us to wrangle uh, by all means drop us a line so check out the comment section for each and every podcast episode at the athletic app rate and subscribe the vancast on apple if you're not a subscriber go to the athletic now subscribe and save you go to the athletic website theathletic.com slash vancast you can receive an all access all access subscription for just a buck 25 a month. All right, Grantor's going into hiding. It's been uh, an incredible year plus a bunch of days since the start <laughs> of the hockey season. Yeah, uh, you. Yeah, you know. Let's you, talk about that. Okay. Let's talk about the le- Let's talk about the league year because you know 
traditionally, right, the end of the league year, like the end of free agency, it's like the end of the run. You know what I'm talking about? But yeah. it's only been it's usually only been nine months. This time it's been 13 months, man. Like we've done a hundred, what, 12, something like that. hundred five for sure. Podcast episodes. Um, yep. You know, I've, I've covered 121 games. I, I counted it out on, a, on the spreadsheet that I keep. I, I've written over 500,000 words during this <laughs> league year. And, and, you know, also it was my first league year back in media. Like, yeah, it lasted forever. It now feels like I've been in the gig forever. But this is my, the end of my first season on this on this Canucks beat back uh, you know on the public side uh, of the job and, and so I was thinking about that just a little bit today and just wanted to take a note in this forum and and especially thank the VIPs like this was a really challenging assignment to come into uh, you know especially doing it with a heavy heart um, after you know our, our friend Jason Botchford's passing and getting an opportunity to work with Harmon, getting an opportunity to work with you and, and Wyatt and, and Rick Dollywall, and the way that the VIPs have embraced me personally, but also our entire team over the course of the year, I just I did want to take a moment and thank everyone. Uh, it was a lot of fun, and, and the main reason it was a lot of fun was you know getting to chat hockey with all of you. So thank you so much. Yeah, and finally, and we didn't even touch on the draft. The draft happened this week. Uh, there wasn't a ton to drill down on. The Canucks did what they did with their five picks. But if you're looking for draft coverage, it's here at The Athletic. Harm all over that uh, with all kinds of draft pieces. You uh, and Wyatt surprised the world with uh, a draft day edition of the Army. So that was uh, good to see and some good fun. And uh, good to see Wyatt back in the writing game as well. And uh, even if you go a little bit quiet here, uh, we'll see whatever the Canucks do. Uh, we'll be It'll be covered at The Athletic. Uh, I have no doubt about that. So <laughs> you deserve a little bit of downtime. Uh, terrific run in your first go-round. It's been fun. It's been a blast to uh, get back up and podcasting with you. Uh, it, it, honestly, like just to finish this, think about it. When this podcast began, it was called The Nuxcast. That feels like... A, <laughs> does that not feel like a lifetime ago? A lifetime ago. A different world. That was the start Man. of this hockey season. <laughs> Well, yeah, it's it like I was thinking about Victoria the other day, like when we went to Victoria right. for Canucks training camp and just be thinking like, man, like, you know, I feel like I had hair. It was so long ago. <laughs> I might as well have had hair. Um, just like years and years have passed since that moment. It, it feels completely insane. And look, it's been a year unlike any other, but it's been a lot of fun. And, and the best part about it is that, you know, as the NHL has found ways to stay relevant and continue to play and return to play. Like, we've actually had some really memorable hockey moments and fun hockey discussions, and the Canucks have managed to be in the news. And, you know, that's sort of a, a silver lining uh, in a year that's been certainly challenging. Different at the very least, and and, and probably, frankly, uh, just absolute dog shit. So, um, <laughs> it's been fun. It'll continue to be fun. We don't know what this looks like on the other side um, in terms of hockey returning. But I'm confident that the Canucks will find a way to, to, to give us some fodder. And uh, we'll be podcasting about it all. All right. Step away from the microphone. Close the laptop. And get after it a few days of downtime. <laughs> leave hockey behind. And we'll catch up sometime next week. And we'll see what uh, free agency has done uh, for the Vancouver Canucks and where they are the next time we, we uh, reconvene for a new ed edition of 
the VanCast. So we'll call it a day here. First day of free agency in the books. It's a bit of a goalie swap as far as the Vancouver Canucks are concerned. And we'll see where things go from here. For transfers, Jay Pat, as always, thanks so much for your support of the VanCast here at The Athletic and TheAthletic.com.